Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. I've hit the big red button. It's recording. Okay. Ray, long time no speak. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Nigel. Yes. Don't we live in interesting times? Uh, Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Now, um, we've just been chatting about things and uh, we were just thinking we should have recorded this. Um, And there's a very good reason. It's because uh, it's two old blokes whinging. (laughs) And uh, that's what everyone needs to hear at this time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grumpy old men. Grumpy old men. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's a good reason because um, the whole thing that we're talking about is uh, the effect on the economy, the effect on people's lives, livelihoods, mental health, e- everything you want to talk about, mm-hmm. and how how it's affecting people in very different ways, and how the uh, economic stimulus packages that we're talking about and the, the kind of the mismanagement of various things is hampering uh, yours and my sort of uh, recovery, um, yours mm-hmm. and my ability to contribute to the economy um, and all these other things. And, um, you know, we're just talking about how the mismanagement of things is because um, the public sector governments, it's not their money. There's no, yeah. there doesn't appeal to be any accountability to it, does there? Well, that's the thing. Uh, And it seems to be across all the sectors. I mean, there are a few uh, Facebook forums that have popped up, a few Twitter feeds that have popped up, um, which, you know, it's it's a route for people to air their grievances. Um, But the grievances that are being aired are, 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 they shouldn't be grievances. You know, there should be people that that just get on with it. Um, and, And it is people that run their own business and want to get on with it. But how do you deal with a business when you're you're legally obliged to stop letting people in? You know, hotels, for example, restaurants, for example, you know, gymnasiums, um, nightclubs, places like that, where you're told, okay, you're not allowed to have any paying customers whatsoever. You have to close the doors. So you do that. You comply. And then they say we're offering a, a package that will allow you to, you know, to, to, to survive. It's a Corona business interruption loan scheme, C-bills, as it's called. So we'll, we'll put that out there. But the qualification process for that is that you have to uh, show profits that you've made in the last year. And you can only get uh, the money in line with a percentage of the profits you've made. Well... But if your business is, is relatively new, you've just taken it over, you've uh, got the cash flow forecast, everything's there. You might even have a loan in place because the bank believes in you, and obviously you haven't made any money. But then all of a sudden, you can't show that you've made a profit, and therefore you don't qualify. So what do you do now? Well, you, you go out and um, sod off, basically, don't you? Stop, <laughs> stop pestering us. Well, you know, uh, and then you've got to furlough your staff and pay the staff, and then the government pays you back the furlough money. But you've got to pay it first. You've got to pay it out first. Yeah. And then the government will pay it later. Um, but then if they turn around and say, well, the furlough scheme is finished and, you know, we're all going to go back to work from the 1st of September, 
I mean, when you open the doors, it's not like opening a opening a chest of money that just all pours out. You've, you've then got all the costs associated with running that business for, let's say, a month, maybe even two months before you can start to bring income in. And uh, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of fallout from that particular strategy. I mean, I put put it out on Facebook forums that, that I thought there would be, and I hoped it wouldn't be the case. But, you know, at the end of March, I said this, and it's sort of coming to pass. And um, it's, it's when you have politicians in charge who have no business experience. Yeah. <laughs> and, let's, and let's face it, lots of them don't. Yeah, now... It's like, you know, it's like you have a health secretary who is, who's never been a doctor or anything like that. It's when you have someone who's in charge of the social care who has no idea about social care. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just crazy. It's just, there are too many career politicians that are shifted around in the wrong jobs simply because of who they know um, and not because of their experience. And it's, it's, politics wasn't always like this. You know, it used to be that in order to get into politics, you had to be a man of means, as they called it. You had to be a man of substance. You had to have some experience before you could get in and do things. Um, and then, again, you know, talking a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, you went into politics for a brief period of time to serve, and then you left. You went back back to commerce, as it were. Well, I mean, I I and, always I always remember the. It, always appeared to me as a as a kid so as a kid of the 70s when um it was kind of uh, doing my homework by candlelight and that and and we we could <laughs> afford electricity there just wasn't any um piles uh-huh. of rubbish in the streets and all the rest of it um it was it was quite clear you, you had labor on one side who would very much uh been a, a working man who had helped organize and galvanize people and stand up for very righteous causes. And they were well experienced in public speaking, um, getting people to rally to a cause. Um, and, and, and they were very, very good at that and they were well versed in it. And then you had the typical Tory who was always seen as the rather aloof snobbish businessman who had actually Mm -hmm. made some money, run a business and knew how to do things. And it was always that that it was almost the them and us, the the worker against the bosses, uh, was almost how it was played out. Now you've got people who went to school, went to university, went into politics, having never actually done or experienced anything, um, mm-hmm. potentially never even been employed, never mind uh, employing people or a long-standing employee or someone who's been active on that side of things and. And I think that is coming home to roost because we were talking just before we, we hit the record button and I was saying, you know, in the care sector, so we've got a care home, it's been um, critically affected by um, the, uh, how should we put it, the government-endorsed uh, discharges from hospital with people who they didn't tell us had coronavirus who then infected um, both staff and other people in the care home, um, which was a, a, a direct and deliberate policy decision made by people who did not understand the care home settings. So mm-hmm. y- for years you designed something to be communal and then you get people who think that they everyone can be isolated, especially hypermobile dementia sufferers. 
Um, it was just a nonsense. We tried to resist it. We had people lie. We had people bully um, as to uh, accept people who then we didn't know whether people had it or not, and we didn't have PPE. That comes from people who do not understand what they're talking about. Just mm-hmm. as um, on a, you know, for, for yourself, um, you've got, um, you know, a large building ready to go, ready for people to be in, and the lockdown they're saying, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, without necessarily any great rhyme or reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And and then, as you say, you, you look for the financial support because what you're wanting to do is to take the minimum amount of support so that you can contribute to the economy and help other people get out of this and make the bill for all of this as small as possible. Mm-hmm. But to me, it seems like it's actively geared up to... Uh, dish, dishing out money to maybe people who don't need it, don't require it, uh, whilst omitting those, helping those who really do. And it's a very difficult thing to try and do, to judge, to work out. And I don't think that the people um, in charge of the government or or the opposition have ever had the real-world experience of trying to project manage or deal with something uh, like that. Um, mm. So just like, you know, when they were creating those Nightingale hospitals, who did they call in? They call in the army who've had the job of establishing field hospitals uh, in very fast order to, you know, mm-hmm. a real tight timeline. And that's who they got in. I think when this cropped up, we should have got, we kicked out every MP and called in some people who knew what the hell was going on. Uh, but, yeah, but there you go. Well, I said that. I said that. I said that in a, a Facebook forum again in March, early April. I said the, um, the government have got great ideas, but they're not capable of implementing them as quickly as they should. And I suggested at the time that you know someone, some captain of industry, should be brought in. Yeah, uh, And I think, I think, the, I think, I think the overwhelming vote was for Sir Alan Sugar, someone like Sir Alan Sugar to come in and, and grab yeah. things by the scruff of the neck in the same way that, you know, going back to the Second World War, there was a, an issue that Churchill had when he took over in May 1940. He took over and there, was, there weren't enough aircraft and he needed to, to get aircraft made. But there was such a disconnect between all the branches of the Air Force and the Air Ministry and the people that made the airplanes that there was no way that they could make enough in enough time. And he brought in Lord Beaverbrook, who was a newspaper guy at the time, but he was known for getting things done. And he said to Churchill, you know, I know nothing about the airline industry, the, the aircraft industry. And he said, it doesn't matter. You know how to get things done. And sure enough, he stepped in, uh, trod on everyone's toes, rode roughshod across all the, you know, all the, all the fiefdoms and all the little uh, empires that these guys had built for themselves. But he got the job done. He got it done. Yeah. Um, and, and I said something similar was required this time. To get know, the job done. Right. And, that, uh, that reminds yeah. me, I was down at the supermarket uh, for the umpteenth time. I, w- I won't talk about how shit Asda were at supporting us as a care home. The fact that we, <laughs> we would spend 40 grand a year with them and we were, um, instead of going from buying uh, 100 loaves of bread and, and 50 uh, sort of cartons of milk, we were allowed one loaf of bread and two milk 
Um, I don't know if they thought I was Jesus or something and, and could suddenly make it feed the masses. But that completely mm-hmm. screwed us over in terms of making us go to the supermarket 15 times instead of one and that sort of thing. But whilst I was there, I picked up a carton of fruit juice. I thought I haven't had, you know, I haven't had any fruit juice for ages. And um, I picked it up and it was made by a firm called Capella. Now, mm-hmm. I suddenly thought, do you know... I wonder if that's the family who featured on a program back in the 80s, I think it would have been, with Sir John Harvey Jones, who was the ex-ICI chairman, oh, that's called right, the yeah. Troubleshooter. And that's they right, yeah. they were a family farm making fruit juice. If it is the same one, then this is stuck in my mind. But he went through, and where they were struggling to get this family mm-hmm. business to work, he came in and he said, right, you're in the wrong job, you're in the wrong job, you need to swap, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to focus on this, concentrate on that, because they were all thinking, our business is doomed, should we get rid of it, should we jack it in? And Mm -hmm. if it's the same company, 30 years later, they are still making fruit juice, and it's pride of place in the supermarket. So I'm guessing what he did back then is still holding true now. And Mm -hmm. you need a person like that. Do you remember Jerry... Jerry, what was he called? Jerry, um, um, the guy, the guy who went in. Can he fix the NHS? What was he called? Can you remember? And he did a program about fixing the NHS, and he looked at all the machines and equipment that everyone had, and mm-hmm. he said, he said, why are you only using this for six hours a day? Why don't mm-hmm. you, why don't you use you know instead of buying four of them, you could just have one and run it for twenty four hours a day. Why don't you do that? And it was. All these naysayers, you know, no, you can't do that, you can't do that. And it was, I think he ended up giving up, didn't he? Because Jerry Robinson, that was the fella. Um, uh-huh. And uh, he ended up saying the NHS is, you know, a basket case because you can't get people to run it properly. And I think that's mm-hmm. the same with the government. What's everyone's frustration? They, they don't seem to be able to run things properly. I mean, there's some of them. I, I honestly wouldn't trust them to run a bath. Mm-hmm. And we're stuck. <laughs> we're stuck with them, aren't we? Mm, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's easy when everything's going your way. Um, you know, Gordon Brown was seen as uh, the the prudent chancellor, when in hindsight he was seen as the most profligate, useless so and so the world has mm-hmm. ever seen. Um, his motto: "Buy high, sell low," uh, was was not a particularly good one to adopt, was it? But um, <laughs> you know, it, it is littered with, you know, we're, we're being led by people who I don't feel are capable of leading. And when it comes back to raising money, um, which uh, bizarrely enough, let's, let's you know, cross a segue into, into why we're all here. Um, you know, a lot of the things, and I know you've put loads of posts up on Facebook. I've spoken to people about it and they, they put things up that sound like a good idea, but you kind of go, hang, hang on a minute, hang on you just haven't thought this through. You know, you're going to have to tweak this. You're going to have to do something different here. You're missing a huge chunk of people here. And to me, Mm -hmm. it seems like politicians these days, they're all about the headline. But if you ask a follow-up question, they go to pieces because they've learned, they've learned the, the um, soundbite, but nothing else. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you, you must be seeing quite a lot of people wanting to raise money because, 
um, supposedly the, the normal routes have dried up or have been made difficult? Well, they have, because, I mean, if you think about it, you raise money against the background of having uh, showing profits. You know, you raise, you raise money against the background of uh, assets. You know, and now you've got a situation where chartered surveyors are saying, well, you can't rely on the assets because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You've got one section of society seems to think we're going to be hitting the, the worst recession the world has ever known. And there are others that are going, oh, no, this is a great opportunity. And, it, and, and as always, it is, you know, there will be lots of money made in a downturn. Um, and it will be people who have the cash, people who can buy, you know, the assets. And by assets, I mean, you know, perfectly good trading businesses that trade well, they make a profit, but they've now got historic debt or they've now got uh, legacy issues that they're going to have to pay for. But if you wipe out those debts and legacy issues, they're great trading businesses. Um, and that's when the, the vulture capitalists, as they are, are going to step in and start, you know, start vacuuming things up. Yeah, and I guess and they'll do that. You know, they'll do that with lots of property, and they'll do that with lots of businesses, and they'll make a lot of money. And that is the nature of the beast and how it works. So, uh, I've 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 said a couple of times, and again, a few of these things that that there ought to be there is a there is a mechanism um, for dealing with this. One of the mechanisms that they used in 2008 was quantitative easing. The problem with quantitative easing is, um, you know, it's not about printing money. It's about issuing debt bonds and, and getting money into the economy. But the problem with, with QE is it bailed out the banks, but it didn't do anything for the businesses. Because we, we know through things like the QRG group, which RBS had, where they stepped in and took perfectly good performing businesses and, and, and folded them um, or sold them on. And that, that, became, that is a scandal that's still unfolding and uh, will that happen again? Well, yes, it will, unless there's a change of tack. Now, if you put, if you put QE into the, the equation, quantitative easing, it makes, it makes rich people richer, but it does not get down to you know, the guy on the ground, the guy running the business, the guy on the shop floor, the guy in the street. It doesn't get down to them. So one of the mechanisms is that, that is there uh, and hasn't been used, although some could argue that it it probably is being used now, is a thing called helicopter money. Now, helicopter money uh, was a phrase that was um, coined by uh, Milton Friedman in, I think, in the late 1960s, which was to say that there are certain circumstances, and I think he said once in 100 years or once in a generation, the circumstances might align to allow this to happen, but that money should be dropped into the economy helicopter money effectively, dropped straight into the economy to allow that economy to keep going. And helicopter money had to come effectively with, uh, with no barriers, because the more barriers you put up to business, as you'll know, the more barriers you put up to people buying something, the less they're likely to buy. And the more barriers you put up to getting money into the system, the less it's likely to flow, which is what happened with QE in 2008 and nine. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they adopt that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if that, you know, the QE and, and the money staying at the top, um, just a simple an analogy would be the money for the Premier League in football. So the TV rights, which in the old days, I was watching something that was talking about the, uh, the birth of the Premier League and, and how um, every club in the Football League used to vote for various things and the money would filter all the way down. As soon as that broke away, then the clubs at the top 
took the vast majority and, and those down at the bottom uh, very little little would get there and yeah and and that's always always the way isn't it if, if there isn't a mechanism to say okay you at the top can you know max out at 60 percent of the pot and 40 percent has to be shared all the way down if there isn't something there that does that then it's always going to congregate at the top um yep. and, it, and it's like anything when there's a gravy train we can all you know argue against it but i tell you what most of us would far rather have a ticket and jump on that train um absolutely and, you know and and this is where sometimes you just got to think hang on hang on we, we've got to do something differently here but i i see lots of of people lots of businesses and the furlough scheme is going to be an interesting one to un unravel because um you know how it's like starting a war they're, they're very easy to start aren't they but they're very mm -hmm. difficult to get out of at the at the other end mm -hmm. and yep. very easy to start lockdown how do you get out of it i think um you were talking about businesses um wanting to get rid of legacy costs or debts and stuff one of the biggest things is pension schemes and where you've mm -hmm. got final salary schemes and they are underfunded, these things are enormous millstones around uh, corporations' necks. And you see the likes of British Airways trying to renegotiate everybody. Um, if you're not careful, what you'll see is the furlough will turn into redundancies, which will turn into recruiting again um, on different terms and conditions. And mm -hmm. what does that do? It gets rid of the legacy pension liability um, yep. or, or it getting any worse. Um, and you can then employ people on a very different level. Now, what does that mean? It probably means that there's going to be less earning power in the economy. And mm -hmm. all the time that these government um, decisions are um, hindering people from getting out there and risking it and, and starting businesses and getting business, businesses going and earning and supporting and contributing, the bigger the legacy debt will be to the nation of everything mm -hmm. that goes on. And in the background we haven't spoken about it for ages and I've, i feel that in in you know in this day and age uh in months of lockdown and things we ought to brighten the scenario and talk about brexit again what do you reckon <laughs> yeah exactly well this has been the, oh i've missed brexit i've missed brexit we've missed brexit brought to you by nigel best and Rick McLennan. <laughs> i'm changing my name to nigel worst <laughs> um, I'm gonna make it. Yeah. A, I'm gonna make it a triple barrel name, uh, Nigel. Worst case scenario. Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> from Nigel Best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, but the, yeah, it, it's it's crazy, isn't it? You know, you're talking about Sybils and and how you you didn't qualify because of of kind of crazy situations. You have um, the ability to offset capital allowances, but then that. Um, it's been a perfectly legitimate business thing to do, but now that has completely scuppered you from being eligible for Seabills, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've got a, a laser tag business that um, kind of doesn't own the building or anything, and, and that is ineligible for anything. Um, so it's amazing how it's affected people and businesses, and um, I, I do think when you have the insular Westminster bubble, it does, it does leave people exasperated. It really does. And, um, mm. you know, I, th I think you need the likes of a Dominic Cummings to, uh, to add a, a sense of integrity and trustworthiness to the whole proceedings. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>
I saw the advert. Did you see the advert? Um, I almost want to see it. And on that bombshell. <laughs> did you see the advert, the Specsaver advert, where it said, should have gone to Barnard Castle? <laughs> I didn't know. I, I don't know if someone made it up, but I thought that was great. You know, but but there we go. But I think, uh, Ray, before, before we go... Um, uh, just from the How to Raise Money podcast, uh, absolutely in total support of uh, Black Lives Matter um, and how disgusted, shocked and outraged we were to see uh, the video um, that uh, obviously everyone knows about. The thing that shocked me even more was that how that led to an outpouring of um, so many videos of such a similar nature that uh, it, it's truly horrifying. And as a... As a rather middle-aged, middle-class white guy, I have absolutely no concept of what it's like 24-7. Uh, I've spoken to a very good friend of ours, uh, Robert, um, and he's tried to highlight some of the issues, and it is just desperate. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to say that, you know, it, it's a, a shocking situation, and let's hope we can all all do something to be just a little bit more caring and loving of our fellow man and woman um, because the world needs it, especially at this time. Yeah, indeed. All right, and on that bombshell. There we go. Had to be one. I've been Ray McLennan. I'm still <laughs> Nigel <laughs> T-Best, stroke worst case scenario. Um, and we'll be back with something a bit lighter next week, like death and mayhem or something like that, won't we? A lighter topic. Well, like. Actually, there's a few people in the office I've asked to contribute towards uh, the podcast. So we're going to be hearing from, uh, he's recorded them, uh, but what we're doing is we're taking out the ums and ahs and pauses <laughs> because he's, he's not used to, to speaking on a podcast. And when there was a, a gap of about 30 seconds, I said, um, you're going to have to fill that gap. You can't, you can't leave people hanging or they'll switch off. So, uh, yeah, he, he, so the, so we're going to be hearing from him. We might be hearing from Stuart, who's in the office as well. We might be hearing from Ross. Uh, they've all been given subjects to look up and devices to record into. So that will be interesting. And uh, yeah, just to add a, a little bit of difference to the uh, to the proceedings. So there we go. All right. Um, as usual, we've had a few um, recent. Um, yeah. They're not called testimonials. We've had a Review, few um, uh, reviews. A we? few, yeah, we've had a few recent reviews. It's been quite good. A few people saying, you know, they're they're quite, they're quite happy. Um, they're quite with, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're quite happy with everything and uh, listening to what we've been saying. Um, great podcast to the to the points with Peter Singh from Birmingham. Um, again, five stars. So we're we're way over 60, 60 reviews now. Yeah, um, no. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, much. for what you do. Good quality content all the way through. Presenting in a relaxed and easy manner, easy to follow. A lot of good quality information with more constructive advice. 100% recommended. Uh, Johnny Five said, really enjoying the podcast. It's full of valuable information and very entertaining. And uh, Trupal Fifty said, great to listen to the banter between the presenters. Easy to follow. Constructive advice portrayed in a relaxed way and a good reminder of things I knew but seriously need to get done now. So there Excellent. we go. And that's you. the last the last one. So if you're listening to this and you haven't left us a review, please leave us a review. Um, you can also get in touch with me at ray at raisingangelfinance.co.uk. Uh, DM me on Instagram at Nigel T. Best. And if there's anyone in America, because I know we've got quite a lot of American listeners, haven't we, Ray? If, if anyone have, is yeah. in America who wants to come on the show and tell us what it's like over there at the moment, raising money, the situation, uh, let us know. 
uh, we'd love to uh, have a an overseas perspective. Yep, good. All right, Great and stuff. on that bombshell. All right, take care, I've Ray. Been Ray take care, everyone. Yeah, I'm Cheers. still Nigel Bye. T. Best. Bye for now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast.